from the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Catholic. I am Mike Walsh. I am the Director of Communications for the Diocese of Camden and the Associate Publisher of the Catholic Star Herald. And as you may have noticed, if you're a regular listener, I'm not usually the guy that opens the podcast. However, I'm by myself today. Um, A rare occasion. Took 146, 147 episodes to happen, but I have to fly solo once, but that's okay. You guys are used to my voice and me prattling on, so I think it'll be all right. I do want to go through a few of the events that we have coming up. Um, Starting on November 10th, we have a Mass of Hope and Thanksgiving and Remembrance for cancer patients, survivors, and families who have lost loved ones to cancer. That's going to be at Church of the Holy Family uh, in Sewell, New Jersey. It's hosted by Vitality Catholic Healthcare Services. And if you want to learn more about this or any of our other events that I'm going to be talking about, I highly recommend you go to uh, camdendiocese.org and go to our events pages where uh, you'll find about more about these events and many of the others that uh, we don't talk about on the podcast, but uh, you may find very interesting. Catholic Charities has a uh, new education program uh, that they're rolling out. Um, it's called I Thirst. It's an addiction healing initiative. Um, you, this is an opening workshop that's going to be held on Saturday, November 16th at the Church of the Holy Family in Sewell, New Jersey. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, join this introductory workshop and learn about the new diocesan-wide I Thirst initiative, which aims to empower the church to develop a pastoral approach to support those suffering from addiction and their families. You know, addiction services is one of those things that we hear a lot about um, in, in a lot of areas, but particularly in the diocese of Camden. Um, it's We found that the there seems to be an even greater need um, throughout the diocese for people who are struggling with addictions, not, not just the people themselves, but the families, um, you know, the scourge of addiction seems to be affecting people far more than it did back in the, uh, as, as recently as 10 years ago. Um, and it's becoming more aware, people become more aware of it in their families, which is probably a good thing because it's the kind of thing where we used to, you know, hide it under the rug and not really talk about our family members who were in distress, um, which is a bad habit to be in. Uh, quite frankly, it's probably created more problems that it, that it saved us from the, what we felt was shame that we had, uh, members of our family who were struggling with addiction. Um, what we found, and we've talked about this on the show many times is that coming together and finding other people in the community who have had difficulty tends to be something that we really that that ends up bringing a lot more support than people realize um and usually it's our own i hesitate to say vanity but it's our own emotions that come forth that, that block us from from going to a group setting well this is an opportunity to to learn more about how you can be helped and how you can help others through the the I Thirst Addiction Healing Initiative. So, um, yeah, I, I hope you'll look into it. Uh, go to certainly, like I said before, go to the Camden Diocese website and our events page, or you can also go to CatholicCharitiesCamden.org/event/IThirst to learn more. Um, the Heart to Heart Youth Holy Hour and Social for all high school youth groups and teenagers uh, will be having its uh, monthly gathering at 4 p.m. on November 17th at Corimba Hall in Atlantic City. 
Uh, this is, uh, you know, this is uh, run by our dear friends, the CFR sisters in Atlantic City. Uh, it's a great event with pizza and fellowship, followed by Eucharistic adoration, music and meditations. Um, we, I really encourage you if uh, you're a young person or you know a young person um, who's looking for a little bit more to say spiritual direction in their lives feel free to go to this the you for one thing you'll fall in love with the scissors if you've never been before and if you do know the scissors well you know why you need to go they're great and finally uh, on december 13th uh, everyone is welcome to uh, to attend the jubilate deo choral and orchestra reunion concert this event is being held at the kimmel center um, and it's produced in cooperation with the choirs of Jubilate Deo Chorale and Orchestra, Eastern University, the Church of the Savior, and other diocesan parishes. Uh, this exciting holiday concert will take place on Friday, December 13th at 7.30 p.m. at Verizon Hall and the Kimmel Center. If you would like to purchase tickets, please visit the Kimmel Center website at www.kimmelcenter.org. And if you're wondering why I never do the intros to the podcast you've just learned in the past <laughs> Six minutes and 38 seconds. <laughs> that, uh, I hate reading from scripts. I hate doing all that kind of stuff. I just like to sit back and chit chat and banter. That is where my strength lies. So I want to introduce our guest for the day. And it's actually someone I've gotten to know a little bit over the last year. And uh, in addition to being one heck of a great person and great uh, person who uh, works for Catholic Charities of Camden, um, she's been taking on a lot of well, one in particular initiative that's uh, close to our heart, uh, particularly as someone who uh, has been working with Man Up, uh, which is taking place this weekend, if, depending on when you're listening to this on November 9th. Um, but um, men's mentorship for, for young men, uh, something that I don't think we do enough of. Uh, mentorship in general is can be difficult for a lot of people to sort of focus on, but men-to-men mentorship can sometimes even, or to to young men mentorship can even be more difficult uh, from time to time, just finding good connections. So the fact that a program like this exists, I I personally think is wonderful. So I would like to introduce Christina Chillum, the program director for two programs of Catholic Charities, the Walk With Me Mentorship Program, which is primarily operating in Camden and Gloucester counties, and the Health and Wellness Program that's operating in Salem County. Hey, Christina. Hello. Thank you for having someone else to talk to. Oh, man. The idea of talking into a mic by myself is ridiculous. I don't know how Mark Marin does it. I don't know how any of those podcasters do it. But thank you for sitting there uncomfortably for eight minutes and four seconds. That was very kind of you. You did great. Oh, you lied. But that's very nice of you to say that, though, however. So thank you for finally coming into the vault. It's uh, nice to see you again. No, we're excited to have you. Actually, I got to spend a little bit of time with you at the uh, Catholic Charities Annual Gathering in Albuquerque. That was nice. That was. Did you find it as uh, rewarding as we had all hoped? I had a great time. Did you really? Yeah. Isn't it nice to be around people uh, people from other walks of life who are sort of working in that same avenue as you? Did you find it... um, Refreshing. I think that was one of the greatest parts. They do offer, you know, the workshops where expert speakers come in and tell you about best practices. But then there's so much time to socialize with other Catholic charities staff and diocesan staff. And every diocese and Catholic charities all over the country is doing slightly different things. And um, we experience the same challenges, but in different ways. And so those conversations are just re- really interesting. You know, when uh, our, our dear friend and beloved mentor, uh, uh, Kevin Hickey, Mr. Hickey from uh, Catholic Charities, uh, suggested to me about coming to the annual gathering this year. I'd been to the one, I think, two years ago in Boston, and I was really blown away by it. I really found it, I found it, I, I've talked 
on the podcast a lot that I get I get ripped by a few people that I never I never go on retreats or anything like that. Not because I don't want to, just because I never have the time to. So it was an opportunity for me. That was like my version of a spiritual retreat. It was an opportunity for me to go out and be around people who are really doing great work and be inspired by them and suck up some of that energy if I could. Even on the first day, I just like looked around me myself for a moment and I felt like I love being part of this network of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. It really is. The atmosphere is great. And even one of the um, featured speakers, before she started, she kind of brought up what would have been what would have been improv, I suppose. And she said, you know, you guys, I don't know if you know how lucky you are that you have this friendly atmosphere where you're talking and laughing and and friendly with each other, even talking like in proximity close to each other. She said a lot of businesses, companies, what networks that it's much colder and and whatnot. So I just, I was really happy to be there. You know, that was interesting to hear because she, um, and unfortunately I cannot remember her name, but, um, she came from Mora. Mora. Yeah. Or Mona, Mona. She, she comes from a business background and she was, she's on the tech side of, uh, of secular life and, um, where I used to work a a lot. I used to work in that industry a bit. Um, and it was true. You know, you go to these, you know, personal interactions were, were sort of suppressed, not, not intentionally suppressed, but you didn't have that kind of commiseration, I might say, um, that you can, that you have at the, the Catholic Charities Annual Gathering, where you really get an opportunity, let's face it, the, the work Catholic, I was about to say we, it's not we, I don't work for Catholic Charities, you work for Catholic Charities. We're part of the same network. Well, we are, and I get to spend a lot of time at Catholic Charities, and I see just how difficult the work they do is, I mean, in addition to, you know, professionally difficult, personally difficult. I mean, there's a lot of people you're working with, with, with great difficulties and going through great difficulties. And that has an emotional toll. And the fact that there's an opportunity for all these people to come mm-hmm. together who ha- who are feeling this emotional toll and be rejuvenated together mm-hmm. and commiserate together. Yes. That means a lot. Yes, it's it not, does. It, and you've worked for Catholic Charities for how long? Three years. Three years. Wow. November. Th- November will be three years. You're a veteran. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. I like it. And have you had a couple different roles with uh, with Catholic Charities? Oh, yes. <laughs> what did you start out as? Well, I actually um, started out in November of 2016 um, volunteering full-time mm-hmm. uh, with the development department. That Well, it's the Office of Community Support and Planning. Mm-hmm. And the primary role there is um, for grant writing and, and development. Um, the and always excited grant writing job. Uh, that's always an opening start for, for people on nonprofits, and it's not exciting. I accept that. I asked. Did you really? I that asked, was something I, um, you wanted to dive, I, dive into that? Yeah, I was looking for grant writing experience. Oh, wow. Um, I was very, when I found the grant writing genre, it was like uncovering this gem. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I love this, and this is what I want to do. Um, yeah. I actually was coming from a, mas- just finishing my master's in English from mm-hmm. Rutgers University, and feeling like I didn't really want to, continue pursuing academia and and in particularly medieval literature and poetry which is what I what the track I had been on so I was trying to figure out how to apply this my research and writing skills and passions and in in some real world business way and I found grant writing wow and um so that that grant proposal is is uh, I love it I would love the grant proposals and the whole process so um I was, so, but no one, I couldn't get a job because I didn't have any of that demonstrated experience. So I had found out that uh, several times Catholic Charities had had a um, grant writing intern. Mm-hmm. And I actually, it was through the Diocesan Frasati Young Adult Group. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Camille, I had met Camille yeah. through there, Camille yeah. Quentes. And um, she said, well, we used to have like a grant writing intern, so maybe they would let you volunteer and get experience. So wow. I inquired. Mm-hmm. I ended up volunteering full time from November 2016 to April of 2017. And it was even even more than full time because those deadlines will have you working. Right. And I was really <laughs> serious about it. It was an it was an invaluable and cherished experience for sure. You know, that's wonderful to hear because as someone who has had to write grants in the past, um, it's it can be tedious and time consuming in my world. Now, I was doing it mostly for law firms, so um, that's even more tedious and time consuming. Sure. But it, but it's important, and it's it, it re- and particularly when in the in the social services network, that's really important funding. So the fact that you were so joyful in doing it is a, a benefit I can't even imagine. I don't know if I was always joyful about it, but I was, I was always, um, uh, in, I would say I was enthusiastic about it. Okay. Like I was determined. I was, I was excited about it. I always had good energy, but, well, that's good. um, you are known for your, for your good energy. You yeah. are very energetic. Yeah. I will say that. Sometimes, so sometimes if it ever twists into something negative, it's, it's anxiety, right? That's, oh, sure. That's yeah, what right. it would, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I guess sometimes anxiety can over start to diminish the joy itself but um just <laughs> to be fair true. and honest you know that but, is true but that yeah. but that's very true and that's you know we were we were talking about before we had the podcast it's this podcast we lean farther on the authentic side than the polished side yeah. <laughs> and uh but that's true you know the the warts in our jobs and and let's face it you know all of our jobs have things that come with it and you know that joy gets rubbed away going back to the reason why it's so beneficial to go to annual gatherings like mm-hmm. that where you can be around other people and both commiserate and and, and be inspired by um but it's true and and look at me here i was thinking grant writing was uh was <laughs> a terrible opportunity and you found the silver lining in yeah. it. that's great that's wonderful and i have to imagine you're the only person to come from a master's lit background and use that power uh to go into grant writing not a lot of um creative writing in uh grant writing i would imagine although Oh, I would say you would really get requires a lot of creativity. Yeah, (laughs) I guess maybe I was thinking flowery language, but no, no flowery language. You're right about that. That's for sure. No, John Marcantino, cut that out real quick. (laughs) That's true. That's the part I I learned. You're right. You're right about that. So you so you started out as a grant writer, and what you move into after that? Um, uh, The position to direct the Salem Health and Wellness Program opened up, and. do, we, do you say Kevin or Mr. Hickey? I don't know. We, we say Mr. Hickey to make fun of him. We say okay, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> Just to enjoy it. So he, he considered how um, I might have some strengths that would also um, be a good professional uh, development experience for myself and then also help that program to thrive. Yeah. Um, Something that's different, grant writing often takes place in somewhat of an isolated situation and it's very focused um, uh quiet, you know, reading and detailed, you know, research and whatnot. And uh, in this director position, I just leapt onto the, the front lines of of the community and in, into food pantries and interacting with you know, um, food pantry clients, people in the community, um, f- uh, food pantry leaders and, mm-hmm. and social service leaders and agencies and whatnot. So it was very social. And I also have a, a strength towards being outgoing and, and initiating relationships in the community and partnerships and whatnot. So um, that's also been a great experience. And it's also helped inform what yeah. I then write in the grants, which condemns what the program directors to do and make happen and fulfill. So, um, so that position opened up and I moved into that. 
That's great. Uh, now, I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast many times before. I am a as a product of Salem County in the sense that I was born in Elmer, New Jersey, and then quickly moved to Gloucester County. Um, I love Salem County. Mm-hmm. Anytime I need to refresh for myself uh, and, and need a refresh, I will drive through the countryside of, mm-hmm. of Salem County, and, and I just love it, and it puts me at ease and, and things like that. How have you enjoyed, because you're someone who came from Camden County, right? Correct. Be very built up and, uh, yeah. you know, urban and suburban area mm-hmm. into the rural area of Salem. How have you felt about the rural area it's of Salem. funny. I didn't know it existed. Oh, you didn't know I it didn't existed? I didn't know it existed, and I was driving down there for the first time, and I'm passing exit four, and I see the sign for Cowtown, and I'm like, where are they sending me? What is this? Um, but just like you said, the beauty really, natural beauty and peace emanates, emanates from the from the vast farmland and the yeah. greenery, um, and the communities have been so welcoming. They've... Um, it's been a great experience for sure. And, you know, Salem County is one of those areas of New Jersey that that's in many ways yeah, multifaceted in the sense that it is primarily rural, but it also has some urban areas. Salem County has a, has an urban quality to it. Um, there's sections of, uh, Salem city, Salem city. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Salem city has, uh, is there's an urbanness to it. Mm-hmm. Penn's Grove has a bit of an urbanness to it. Even Pennsville mm-hmm. has a bit of that as well. Um, so how have you sort of, do you consider yourself a country girl now that you've been down there for a little while? You've been able to. No, I've always known I have a, um, I have a connection to uh, the outdoors and like mm-hmm. natural um, landscapes, like going camping and stuff growing up and whatnot. So I, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm more of a country girl than a city girl. Maybe naturally <laughs> I am. Yeah, you're right. I will tell you naturally that I am definitely a country boy more than anything yeah. else. As much as I love being in the city. I find that the, the being in the city kind of, it takes a lot of energy out of me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love going into the city. I love eating on broad and, and going to games and mm-hmm. walking all over creation. And I've worked in Center City, Philadelphia, most of my career. Um, but when I get an opportunity to be in, in the quiet fields of, mm-hmm. you know, upper Deerfield. It has a small town feel and mm-hmm. you can feel that among the, the, um, community members itself the the social service agencies that are trying to you know help and and um churches that um a variety of denominations that are you know all trying to work together and whatnot that small town like everybody knows everybody is there and that's awesome but there are i mean there's frustrations with that that like the closest grocery store to salem city is nine miles away and that is really inaccessible and um so so there's challenges to that also. It's true, which which kind of lends itself to your the health and wellness program. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the program specifically? Sure. Uh, the Salem Health and Wellness Program focuses on supporting all the food pantries in the county. So while we have two offices in the county and both of them have food pantries, uh, my role is to um, make sure that all the food pantries in the county are get getting increased supplies of fresh produce to hand to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chair a coalition of food pantry leaders in the county. Um, there's eight uh, committed and active members. There's about like 12, um, all together. Um, but we meet monthly, um, together we're able to take, like, um, receive extra, like, um, surplus produce and then distribute it among the pantries and get it out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we make sure we're coordinating resources so that nothing gets wasted if anyone's out of fridge space or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I do nutrition education demonstrations in the pantry. Um, Can you tell us what the nutrition education programs are like? Yeah. Um, so a, a reason for why they're so um, critical is because when a food pantry becomes a, a household's primary source of food, of groceries, the um, nutritional value of that ha- that household's kitchen goes yeah. down significantly. Food pantries, what they can primarily get their hands on are the shelf-stable items, which are prepackaged, um, pre-processed, pre-sauced, pre-seasoned, right? Right. Um, things, and so there's there's um, a there's no need to. Uh, well, you can't. You can't go home and peel a carrot and then chop a carrot and yeah. then um, season, you know, season it yourself with just some like oregano and 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 a child is wa- not getting to watch the parent cook. Yeah. They're watching their parent open a can of vegetables and put them on a plate and microwave it. So there's this loss of the skill of home cooking. There's right. the loss of the skill of going to the grocery store and comparing unit prices um, to get the most out of your dollar and a. a the, even just not the habit or the practice of reading nutrition labels and paying attention to what you're intaking. Um, Salem County has really high rates of diabetes and adult obesity. Um, according to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation 2018 County Health Ranking Report, mm-hmm. uh, Salem County is the third least healthiest county in the state. Wow. Um, Cumberland is second worst, and Camden County is actually the least healthiest. Now, this is a d- different from the past several years. Usually, Salem and Cumberland are uh, vying for last, and, and now Camden is is last. So, wow. um, but it's always been in the bottom, uh, and so this development of chronic diseases um, is definitely systemic from a, a lack of um, people's ability to manage their own diets and and health because of, of an inaccessibility um, geographic wise and cost wise. Yeah. Um, to to whole fresh healthy foods and when you don't have that you um, need to strategize cooking uh, in new ways so um, so I go to food pantries during the distributions mm-hmm. um, distributions can last anywhere from like two to four hours um, there will be anywhere from 30 to 250 people lined up depending on which pantry it is and and what day it is I yeah. usually know how many will be there um, and I set up a little table and um, Sometimes I'm cooking something on site. I have a burner with like a butane tank and I can have a a saute pan. I've made, for example, um, a a healthy pancake, a flourless pancake using egg and banana. Um, So you can mix. So in so in the pantry, I'll I'll crack the eggs and I'll have someone. I'll say you want to whisk the eggs. And then does somebody want to mash up the banana? So we're mashing up banana. We mix it together and then we're making pancakes and we top it with blueberries. They they liked that one. Wow, that's awesome. One time I just brought... um, collard greens and sauteed them Mm -hmm. with some garlic and lemon juice and pepper and uh this is different than the traditional way of making usually collard greens are like boiled down Mm -hmm. to to just this real drained stringy stringy, like piece of green well the collard green is so rich and and um a rich dark green it has a great flavor like kale so i wanted to get people to try it Mm -hmm. so maybe use try cooking it this way at home instead so um and then sometimes I'll like pre-make a 
a, a soup or something in a crock pot and then just bring that. And so I hand out samples. I hand out flyers with the recipe and the nutrition lesson. Um, and, you know, when I walk in, it just it livens up the whole atmosphere. People love when I'm there. They'll ask me when I'm coming back. And it's just everybody loves food, you well, know. That- it's, you know, I'm listening to you talk, and aside from having my mouth watering at the, at the moment, I'm also thinking you're you're talking about all the stuff I love to do most in yeah, the world. Like it's I really was fun. I was home on Saturday, and there were four overripe bananas on my, my countertop, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, no one's gonna eat those. You know, what I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a, a but I'm gonna make a banana bread out of it." And then, since I'm trying to lose weight, I fired up my Weight Watchers app and said, uh, "What what would like a skinny version of a of a of a of a banana nut bread?" And I saw that you. Know, ditch the nuts and just make a like banana muffins and so i made i don't know 12 banana muffins and it was delicious it was a very low amount of flour four bananas it made a ton of stuff and they were so moist and so great but the truth of the matter is i i had the benefit of having a mom that always taught me how to cook Uh, but and and a father who enjoyed cooking um particularly when my mom went back to work and he ended up just because of proximity of their jobs he ended up picking up me and my sister first and so he would make dinner at night well i used to love watching him mm-hmm. make dinner and i and i love cooking now and as you're saying that about how kids that are uh, that are you know in, a, in a, an environment where they would be food you know uh, instable. What's, I forget that terminology. In, in, insecure. Insecure. Food mm-hmm. insecure. Uh, I can just think about how terrible would that be if everything you eat comes out of a can. Like the mm-hmm. joy of cooking is is lost on you. Mm-hmm. Um, although the collard greens might be a difficult one because I've I've only had the typical typically made collard greens. I'm like, man, I can't even imagine what they would taste yeah, like. Try it. Like, oh, that sounds really good. Like sort of fried them mm-hmm. in a pan. That might be nice. A little garlic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I throw garlic in everything. So I'm, I'm on board <laughs> with that. But that's that's wonderful. I, I have to talk to Mary McCusker, our beloved co-host and um, and the uh, communications person for uh, Catholic Charities to start getting you to do some video, uh, some cooking video oh, stuff. Oh, that'd be fun. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. Especially if you were doing it on site. I love that idea. The blueberry pancakes. Sounds yeah. Sounds great. All right. And then I'll have to go and maybe I'll volunteer to shoot it myself. And that way I can eat some of the food. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, have you found yourself because of the job? Like, were you a good cook before? Or have you found that you've become a good cook because of the job? Well, I mean, I did the same thing. I watched my dad, yeah. my dad cook growing up. Um, I've definitely learned more about, um, I think, just strategizing yeah. um, and, and whole foods for sure. Like I have a, a I'm. I have a strong value now for refusing and um, you know pre-processed and, yeah. and pre-made things like I um, instead of eating a Nutrigrain bar, I'll <laughs> make um, you know a, a cookie with I mean um, it's like a, it's like a protein ball with chopped apple and mm-hmm. rolled oats and cinnamon. And it has the same flavor, but it's just whole it's just whole foods. Yeah. And I really value that, and I want to share that. That's you know that's it's so great to hear you say that actually because that's some of my favorite things. Um, you know, there's I've tried many diets in my life, most mm-hmm. of them unsuccessfully. The least successful ones were the ones that were faddish. The ones that were work would work. And there are two of them. One of them is Weight Watchers for me. Um, I dropped eighty pounds on it at one point. Put on a few back since, but I'm working on it again. Which was all eat whatever you regularly eat, but understand portion control and don't go crazy. And then the the other one I learned from Alton Brown is a chef on the Food Network or cook on the Food Network. He would bristle being called a chef. Um, 
where his his philosophy is okay you want uh you know you want a cheeseburger that sounds great make it yourself yes. make, make your own food um and which i really agree I, we've at my household we've gotten to the point now where the only processed food we really keep we have some shelf stable things uh, but they're for to go in other things you know they would make other things with mm-hmm. them the only real processed food we have is the food we use when my son has uh, a sporting event and the only, there's not literally not enough time to cook mm-hmm. and we'll do something else but actually we've also tried to get into the habit of using a crock pot to mm-hmm. cook a week's worth of food ahead of it so i still have I think a pound and a half of meatloaf to go through this week from the three pounds I made uh, yeah. on Sunday. But it's true, yeah. I mean, anytime you can make food, make your own food, it's going to be healthier, even if it's not necessarily a healthy food. Like if you're going to, yes, I mean, exactly. chicken pot pie is not what I would call healthy. But if you make it yourself, uh, you won't eat as much of it, and you can control what's in it. it no matter what you make, even if you put salt in it season mm-hmm. with salt it's going to have far less salt than if you bought it pre-made same thing with sugar my thing is yeah. i've been trying to cut sugars out sugar. and yeah. i what i realized personally is that i don't like overly sweet foods so if i can dial back on the sugar a little bit i'm i'm happy and mm-hmm. i still like the taste you know mm-hmm. so so every you didn't realize everybody listeners that this was going to turn to a food program <laughs> but it's this this is finally the food program i've always wanted to do and you don't have to listen to us eat and you don't actually see it so you won't be hungry yeah. although i am now literally starving because i'm so hungry because it's i really want to eat some meatloaf right now um so so that's one of the programs you work yes. with and then i sort of alluded to this other program when i introduced you um uh your the walk with me mentorship program which is a fairly new program yes. within catholic charities so can you give us a little bit of background on that sure um so we launched this program about march of this past spring it's um the program is uh, comes to us from the Department of Justice, specific, specifically the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, they have grant funding for mentorship opportunities for communities uh, for youth. And um, so we took on this this program. It's um, it was a th- it's a three year program, but it got started late. And uh, so we're just entering year two now. So we have two more years. Um, of the of of the of the funding from that source to offer uh offer it and um the goal is to connect adult males to volunteers mentors for male youth Mm -hmm. the youth will be ages 9 through 17 um and our goal is to be able to make 37 matches we want to be able to connect 37 male youth uh primarily in Camden and Gloucester counties um, with a male mentor, the mentor and um, mentee they're Mm -hmm. called will meet uh, for 12 months uh, on a weekly basis, two hours a week is the ideal. We know that life happens and no one gets sued if that doesn't happen, but it's the goal to shoot for. And there's reasons why um, that that's the meeting structure that we've designed. Um, That sort of, regular contact and the reliability of that regular contact is part of why this program and that relationship is so impactful for 
this the particular youth who will be participants you know and and i i've been a part of other programs when i worked for another nonprofit uh years ago and when i worked for the law firms that i i worked at in the middle of my career um so both on the the programmatic side of encouraging people to become mentors and then on the other side trying to encourage in this case attorneys to become mentors to these these youth in need um and I would say that the the biggest hesitation I got from people was, I'm not sure if I have the time to do it, followed by, I don't know sure I really have anything to offer a young yeah. person, to which my reply was, all right, I would go in, in reverse order. I was like, you always have something to offer, yeah. even if you don't realize it. Nine times out of 10, in my, like in my case, I wouldn't be coming to you unless I thought you had something to offer. But the truth of the matter is, you know, particularly within the Catholic Church, you know, we're all good Catholic folks or as good as we're we're striving to be. And there's something inherent that we can offer someone who is in troubled times. And it's part of our nature as Catholics to to make ourselves available to, to people who may be having difficulty. And I, I say that because I know most of the people listening to this podcast are Catholic. Um, but when it comes to to the time thing, you know, it goes back to that nature of, okay, well, what's really important in your life? You know, it's like, yes, there's a lot of things in my life that I really want to do and I really want to take part in, but I'm not sure binge watching something mm-hmm. on Netflix is enough for me to take away from helping my, in this case, fellow man, mm-hmm. um, to, to better their lives. And if you're wondering what's going to have a greater impact on society, I can't think of anything that, aside from taking care of your own family, which, you know, we're all, we should all do, but being able to extend that to taking care of people out in the community. I mean, you want, if you were, if you're the kind of person who's complaining that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, that's one of the things you can do yes. to stop that from happening. Yes. That's a very active response yeah. to your own fears and frustrations for the way, you know, things are going overall in, in the world and in our communities. Yeah. So how's, how's the program been going so far? I, I have to imagine any new program probably starts a little slow, it's right? It's been difficult. It's yeah. been really difficult. We haven't made any matches yet. We've, um, had, um, two applicants. Um, one decided that, it was too much of a time commitment. Yeah. Um, one, we're, wait, we're trying to set up a, see if he's available to, to start training. Yeah. Um, so very slowly. Well, listen, if there's one thing I know, it's that all this, but this kind of a program in particular is sometimes difficult to get traction on simply because it's so personal. You know, it's so easy. Yeah. I tell people all the time, it's so easy to donate money. And yes. it's a wonderful thing. And yeah. I'm not saying don't donate money. By all means, please donate all the money you can to all the different events you, uh, and, and places that you can that are doing good work in the community. But it is difficult to pull your personal time aside. And it's also difficult. So there's this, I think I may have mentioned this on a, on a, on a podcast very recently, so I apologize for repeating myself. Um, you know, there's this comedian whose name I can't remember um, who's got this bit, and he talks about... Um, how when we were growing up as young people, somebody would ring your doorbell and everybody rushed to the door because they were excited that somebody was at their doorbell and they wanted to know who it is. And 30 years later, somebody rings your doorbell. You're like, who's <laughs> ringing my doorbell? Why are you bothering me? Yeah. And that that is a culture shift that's happened in the last 30 years. And I think it's one that we really need to break. And it's one I, as, as, as someone who's introverted, it's one that really takes a great deal of effort on my part. But I really have to get more comfortable with 
giving something back to the community at large, just putting things out there and maybe, maybe nothing happens. May, but at least I've made myself available to do good work in the community by, by doing something like this. I really feel like I'm re- talking myself into becoming a mentor <laughs> yeah, in your I program. You. I really, yeah. I'm, I'm already, I'm looking at your yeah. eyes going, well, listen, it's a Christina, call. Christina's, Christina's going to ask me to do this. It's a call. It's it a is. call to men yeah. and specifically men because we, they're, they're underrepresented as mentors in, in mentoring programs. Um, you, there's men, there's many testimonies I could provide of, of mentors, uh, saying how fulfilling it, it the the role has been yeah. in other mentoring programs you know how how fulfilled their life has felt that time has been for them to give of themselves in that way to to share their life experiences and to share the insights they've learned and um you know you mentioned how as as that call is is also issued specifically to your catholic audiences mm-hmm. um it's that it's a it's a call to missionary discipleship, which I've been trying to make that communicating that connection, um, that this is an, an a really meaningful experience of missionary discipleship. You are accompanying one person. You're encountering them on a really intimate one-on-one level like this this youth you're you're going to ask them about themselves and be someone to listen just listen on a weekly basis to them what's going on in their lives you're you're just there to encounter them and and take them for who they are and who they're at and let them know that you care about them no matter you know where they're at and and then you accompany them for 12 months you know a lot of uh missionary discipleship opportunities can be like one-time touches like oh i'm gonna make these sandwiches and hand them and then that's it yeah this is really you really get to make an impact here in to accompany someone long term through a critical stage of their of their youth development you know um so i i think it's a i think it's a great great opportunity you know i i really hope that people will make it through the first six minutes of this terrible podcast to, to, <laughs> to of the terrible part. portion of the podcast to, to get to this part because this, that is very much the important part I, I you know i i I have I've been blessed that um, Donna Ottaviano Britt uh, relies on me for for feedback, and she sent me a video that she created on your behalf, um, mm-hmm. encouraging um, the attendees of the recent convocation for missionary discipleship, uh, particularly the the men in the and the of those attendees, um, to take part in this program. And the way she sort of mm, encouraged them was that very topic of missionary discipleship. You know, going back to the convocation, which, you know, I in some ways I put in my rearview mirror because I worked was working on that event and when I do events I can't wait for them to be done and I put them behind me and I move on. But for the but for the purposes of that event, that that call for missionary discipleship is really important. We really are not doing enough as Catholics to, well, not all Catholics, but many Catholics are not doing enough as Catholics to go out beyond the church walls and to live their faith publicly and to really do good works in the community. Um, I, here I am, somebody that works in the, in the Catholic Church every day of my life, quite literally every day of my life, and... I ha- I have not done that. I have not done enough missionary discipleship myself, and here I am promoting other people to do it, and, and I haven't done it. So, listeners, if you're sitting there <laughs> thinking that, oh, uh, you know, this is only going to be the goody two shoes guys, well, I'm telling you, as one of the guys who's, uh, you know, people might consider the goody two shoe guy, I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I need to do more, and I should I should be looking internally and f- feeling that longing 
to, to do more in the community. As I'm sitting here talking to you, Christine, I'm going, yep, I'm going to sign up for it. That's what I'm going to do. I don't even have to have Christina ask me. I'm going to sign up for it because it's important. So here's another way to think about um, uh, why this, you know, to, to really tug at your heartstrings. Think about who's mentored you in your yeah. life. How, who has lent you their ear or lent you even a, you know, a, a moment of advice and mentorship that has helped make you who you are today yeah. and get you to where you are in life, whether it be your career, your relationships, your, your, your sense of self and self-confidence, um, any particular strength or talent or skill that you have. I mean, I'm just, my eyes are like beaming because when I talk about, it, I just think of all the people who I, who who I've been so blessed to encounter in my path who just took the time to see something in me and 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 spend a moment in just talking with me about uh, about how to how to develop that how to embrace that and and help it nurture it yeah. right and um so I I you know it's you, you could grasp onto that you know it's true I mean for for the people who are listening who might be sort of probably my stage of their career I I did a lot of professional mentoring when I was in previous jobs weirdly I haven't done it here although I guess you could say I've done it internally but we actually had mentoring programs professional mentoring programs in, in previous places and I did it in every single one of them and I volunteered for every single one of them now that could be because of Canada's work and it took place during the working hours which mm-hmm. probably is why I, I jumped on it so quickly but I really really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, you know, at this point in my career, you know, just from a public relations standpoint, I, I okay, I'm, I'm an expert in the field. It's, it's what I do. Um, but I love helping people. I love it. Tell me again, tell me again what the, what the time frame is. Time sure. So 12 are. months from mm-hmm. the start, um, there's a, there's an interview process. So we have an application, the application's fairly simple. And then we do an in-person interview just to get to know you. And, um, we have to, you know, if you, if you want to move forward, you get a background check. Um, we call personal and professional references. We um, get a driving abstract to make sure that you've been a, a safe driver overall and that you have um, car insurance if you're going to be driving the youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that that screening interview startup process. There's an orientation training so that you have um, you, you can gain uh, the, the training to in, these these youth have. Um, we do trauma informed mentoring, um, yeah. ta- uh, how to um, hand opi- opioid crisis training, um, uh, how to f- how to forge relationships, build trust, how to talk about the the um, close of the relationship, even from the beginning. We want to prepare youth and their families um, that this is you know a twelve month structured program. Um, so there's training in the beginning so you can feel confident, you know, because it is a scary thing. Um, you know, what if they don't like me? What if, you know, this comes up? What if this happens? Um, so and, and you know, our staff is there the, you know, throughout the whole the whole 12 months as a support. You know, we check in. We offer um, ongoing training mm-hmm. uh, and resources for whatever, you know, questions or challenges come up. Um, we organize group activities so that you, you know, all the the matches can come together several times, you know, throughout the year for a, a fun like activity, like a visit to a sports event or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we help you come up with ideas for what you do with the youth, but really it's up for you, the youth and the parent to the decide. Um, the parent is, is a part of this. They don't actually engage in the mentorship activity they're not there at the meetings but they'll help the mentor coordinate you know are they picking them up or are they picking them up from school or the house or is someone dropping them you know off somewhere um 
so they'll have they'll help communicate um, to make they and they have to be in support of the program. They have to want this for their. Yeah. And I am getting parents calling saying, I think my son would be really benefit from this program. Can I enroll him? And I have to say, well, I'll take down your contact information. And once we get some mentors, I'll absolutely call you. Um, so, so the parents, you know, are finding this and their mothers that are calling me, um, a lot of these youth are going to be from, uh, lower income families. Their parents might be working two jobs. And so they don't, um, necessarily, they're not getting that mentorship at home for how, like, uh, they're not getting taken to a local museum or to to a community, you know, a peach festival or, or they're not, you know, seeing, um, you know, even local sports teams, um, playing you know so so it's about um just the exposure and that quality one-on-one time with a positive healthy adult um especially a male adult someone they can relate to and can be a male role model for the males um just because uh they they might not be getting that at home especially if the parents themselves or the, the mother herself isn't well connected outside of say a very small urban you know uh camden city or Gloucester City or something area. Yeah. And if she if she has you know, she's from out of state and so her family's in another state and she doesn't have that support system and network here, how is she going to help, you know, where does that job have a connection for I'm sorry, where does that youth have a connection for a for a local job somewhere to get some his first work experience? You know, I I got my first job in high school because my friend worked at a bakery. So then I joined in, you know, and so it's these small this just is it this whole program builds community. It breaks down barriers between between communities and people and um and and so it's really important that way so but i got off on a tangent um so the the meetings the mentorship meetings would be um weekly Mm -hmm. um the the mentee and the mentor and the parent get to decide what day of the week what time it could be some the same each week or it could change up they could decide on a month by month basis they could you know it's up to them they also get to decide what activities they do and it doesn't nothing has to cost money if you you go for a walk you you know take them take them to Rutgers campus and walk around and see the campus um uh take pictures, talk about your common interests, listen to each other's music. You know, yeah. like this is a song I like, listen to this and then he'll let you listen to a song or something, you know? Um, so you can be creative. Um, um, and so that's the, that's that, the that, time commitment. Hey, those yeah. are, that That's outstanding. And I, I really yeah. like the fact that, um, that you already come, you know, loaded for bear with ideas and ways of, of putting people at ease. Um, for anybody who is attending Man Up South Jersey uh, this weekend at um, at Paul the Six High School on November 9th, um, you are going to have a table available. We will. We will be there. And is- we'll have the applications there. We have a job description for what, you know, a mentor can expect there. You know, and just briefly, we're not looking for perfect people. It was something you said in the beginning. Well, I don't have anything to offer. It might be something, you know, or I've messed up in life. I wouldn't be a good. Or even I'm going through something now. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these youth, even youth. I mean, think back in my, how much adversity do you experience? Just being a youth is a traumatic experience. <laughs> So, so, you know, adversity is something that they can relate to. um, And just the fact, you know, if you've learned anything from your own experiences and mistakes and trials, then that's something so valuable to pass on. Um, 
so we're not looking for perfect people, um, but we ha will have so we'll have those materials there. You can take a look. Um, you can take the applications with you. We'll have brochures um, with more details and uh, you know, the kind of like the process li laid, laid out for you. We'll be thrilled to talk. And if people can't make it on to man up or they're not going to man up, uh, you are going to have, I found out today, about 470 people to choose from or to, to, <laughs> to, 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 to convince to be a part of this. But if, uh, if people can't make it to man up, how would they learn more about the program? We do have the um, mentorship uh, program is accessible through the Catholic Charities website. Catholic Charities Camden.org? Yes. Mm -hmm. I remembered. I think it's slash mentorship. Slash mentorship? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I uh, uh, and I'll have that link in the show notes so that people can go to it as well for anybody Wonderful. who's listening. Thanks. Maybe you could also put my email in the sure. show notes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I will do great. that as well. I will actually. I'll make myself a note right now. Email and website show notes. The uh, usually I get to let let somebody else ask a question while I'm taking notes, uh, but now I have to do it because there's nobody else to, to, for me to, to provide cover. This is so weird. I've never done a one-on-one -on -one interview before. Thank you. Well, that's not true. I've done a thousand one-on-one -on -one interviews. I've never done them that are recorded for a podcast. So thank you okay. very much for for coming here and, and helping us. Yeah. You know, if they, people want to learn more about you, um, you know, you're a you are may not be a country girl, but you are a South Jersey girl. You grew up in definitely Camden County. Went to Camden County or Camden Catholic High School. Yes. You go to um, Catholic Elementary School too. Yes, St. Peter's and Merchantville. Oh wow, St. Peter's and Merchantville and Camden Catholic. Yes, that does seem to be the typical route that I found there for a lot a of people. There was a lot of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about that on the podcast in the past too. Um, we had uh, oh, Kathy O'Callaghan. Yes. On okay, so she was there when you were there too. No, um, but I, I just as the I, family. I was a parishioner for yeah. a long time. So and she's you know there working there now. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know no, that that's way. Great. Yeah, In fact, I, I, we did karate together. <laughs> I don't know if, if I'm supposed to. I think it's tell okay that she does. Actually, she's, I think she's very cool for doing karate. I think she's she's yeah. very cool in general. The yes. cow hands are pretty darn cool. The uh, but no, no, that's that's cool. And and how have you enjoyed uh, your time? I mean, you've three years now at Catholic Charities. Have you found it to be more fulfilling than other places you've worked in the past? I think it is the exact place. Like God has had this role in mind for me. This job, this place, this network. That he's had it in mind the whole time. You know, I just know it. And it's it's been a wonderful match for me. It's been an excellent experience. And I'm really I, I am thankful every day. You know, I'm really happy to hear that. I um, as someone who if you ever go into my LinkedIn account, you realize that I bounced around most of my career um, in the four years I've been at the diocese. I will say it's the best four years of professional work I've ever had. Wow. And uh, I would never have anticipated that. I much much like we were saying about not having much to offer you know i kind of figured you know i'm a i'm a typical catholic you know cradle catholic you know i'm I, my formation w was limited to what i got in my schooling and and in my parishes and i've been here and i'm and around all these theologians and and great catholic minds in the diocese and here i am little old country boy mike wash who understands pr and uh, it's been so weird because oftentimes I'll feel like a fish out of water. But at the same time, I, f I could not feel more home here than I've ever been in any place I've ever worked. Um, so, you know, I, I say this to sell other people, you know, um, if you're looking for, for jobs and stuff like that, certainly always check out the diocese and your parishes and, and the ministries here. But at the same time, and I know this because I know a few people who are looking for work right now. You know, when you're in that gap and you're looking for someplace to go, 
try to find a place that's going to feed your soul too. Mm-hmm. Don't just worry about the the paycheck. Find some place mm-hmm. that you're going to feel like you're in the right place. And that's not easy to find. I'm not saying that it yeah. is, but when you find it, it is, it's special. And volunteer. Volunteer right. because that just opens doors and it makes connections. And, and you are a classic example of yeah. volunteering. And there's a lot of us. There's people who've come as AmeriCorps members, which is like a year of service, and mm-hmm. then they get hired on. And it's um, it's been a, I think it's a good strategy. That is a good strategy. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we, look at this. We've been able to help with mentoring. We're giving people job <laughs> advice. We gave people welcome, cooking everybody. advice, dieting. <laughs> Jeez, you are well-rounded. We're going to have to have you back on the, the, uh, the podcast very soon. Um, anyway, well, thank you very much for joining us today, thank Christine. You. This was wonderful. Yes. And uh, we, uh, and to our listeners, thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye.